Damn. Buddy, 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 buddy. Seen some badass bush before, man, but nothing like this. I hear ya. This shit's something. Makes Cambodia look like Kansas. Yeah, get past amigo. Little taste of home. You lose it here. You're in a world of hurt. Adrenaline heads, welcome back to the show. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this episode, we are covering Predator from 1987. And yes, Steve, I did make the mistake of putting it 1986 <laughs> in the notes, but it is 1987. Okay. I couldn't remember <laughs> what year it was, and I didn't have time to look it up. So, <laughs> so do you want to tell us the synopsis of this movie that you wanted to talk about? Sure. This comes from IMDb. It's a team of special force ops led by tough but fair soldier Major Dutch Schaefer are ordered to assist CIA man Colonel Al Dillon on a rescue mission for potential survivors of a helicopter downed over remote South American jungle. Not long after they land, Dutch and his team discover that they have been sent in under false pretenses. This deception turns out to be the least of their worries, though, when they find themselves being methodically hunted by something not of this world. Exactly. And that's uh, I picked that one because it was so ominous and so interesting. All the others were like, aliens and this and that. And I'm like, no, no, this one mm-hmm. sounds good. <laughs> but uh, with that, within this particular movie, we, we're going to be talking about Alien, uh, Alien, jeez, Predator 1987. And with that comes, because we know this is an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, let's get right into people we may know within the film. And obviously, Arnold, or Arnie, is the big person we have. So do you want to start us off with Arnie? Sure, absolutely. You know, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger plays Dutch, the leader of this band. And, and uh, you know, we know Arnold from so many movies, Conan the Barbarian, The Terminator, Red Sonja. Red Sonja, really? That's the one you put in the notes? Okay. Uh, <laughs> Commando. There's so many other movies. Raw Deal. I loved Raw Deal, man. I, as a, like, I, that's one that I, I remember seeing it for the first time in theaters and just being like, Really, really loved it. Uh, and, you know, so much other stuff that he's been in. But uh, uh, also, and I didn't realize this, how long he served as the 38th governor of California between 2003 and 2011. Eight years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And I thought I threw that in just for fun because, honestly, you could talk about an Arnold Schwarzenegger, Adi, <laughs> all you want. And uh he, he's been a staple in media for years. So you could talk about any movie and you know it's Arnold Schwarzenegger. Mm-hmm. But the, the fact that he was a governor from, you know, for eight years, like you said, I threw that in there because it's very interesting. But we do also have another governor and we will get into that later on mm-hmm. within these people we know. Next up would be Carl Weathers, who plays Dylan. So he is mostly known as playing Apollo Creed in the Sylvester Stallone Rocky movies. Action Jackson from 1998 as Chubbs in Happy Gilmore in 1996, plus some TV appearances like The Six Million Dollar Man, Starsky and Hutch, and Barnaby Jones. So there's a lot of things. So if you actually IMDb, 
Carl Weathers, you could actually look up and you could see the particular episodes that he was in. And obviously, we all remember, he is Apollo Creed, and he always will be. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Next, we have Bill Duke playing Mac. Bill started his career in TV shows, appearances like in Kojak, Charlie's Angels, and Starsky and Hutch. Just about every, you know, I think everybody who was in, on TV in the 70s did those shows probably yeah. at some point or another. Uh, also, he was in in movies like Car Wash, Commando with Arnold Schwarzenegger also. And yep. he was in Action Jackson with Carl Weathers. So, uh, yeah, it's really, really great. Bill, he still works in the business a little bit. Uh, he keeps busy with film TV as well as being a voice uh, in a podcast series. I didn't know that so that'll be interesting to look up bill duke on his podcast yeah i highly recommend that he voices characters on a uh, podcast adaptation series so uh, check that out just look at his imdb credits and you can find them and then subscribe to those because they're uh kind of one of those story-esque podcasts Mm -hmm. next up will be elpidia carrillo who played anna and she started a career in Mexican films and TV shows from 1977 till 1982. Her first American film was The Border in 1982. Since then, has been involved with a lot of American films, such as Under Fire in 1983, Beyond the Limit 1983, and Let's Get Harry in 1986. <laughs> Let's Get Harry. One of the one of the many Alan Smithy projects out there. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and it wasn't until Predator that people started to recognize her more based on her character, Anna. She still continues to work in American film to this day and, and TV as well. She has more work coming out in 2023 as well. So uh, keep your eyes out for uh, Elpidia Carrillo. And of course, we have Jesse the Body Ventura, who plays Blaine. Uh, you know, if we grew up in, in watching WWF and WWE, we know Jesse Ventura from wrestling in the 70s and the 80s. He's been in lots of films, The Running Man with Arnold Schwarzenegger, you know, Thunderground. I've never heard of that one, but okay. Uh, <laughs> Abraxas, Guardian of the Universe. I, I remember, vaguely remember that one. He's been you know, in and out of the WWE over the last few years with appearances as hosts and legacy wrestlers. He's also a former governor of Minnesota, who he served as the 38th governor of Minnesota from 1999 to 2003. Yeah, another governor right there yeah. in this movie. <laughs> it's so cool. Next up would be Sonny Landham, who played Billy and Predator, and Sonny had been acting from 1967 till 2009. Unfortunately, he passed away in 2017, but he will always be, re- we would always remember him for such films as like The Warriors in 1979, so he's one of the gang members. 48 Hours in 1982, he was one of the uh, drug guys that uh, Eddie Murphy and... Nick Nolte. Nick Nolte were tracking down in the very beginning mm-hmm. of the film. And Lockup in 1989, uh, just to name a few. Uh, I highly suggest that you check out his IMDb page. Uh, there are so many films that Sonny has done over the years that he had cameoed in, starred in, as usually it's the thug. But he is such a unique character based upon it. But I always remember him as Billy from Predator. Yeah, 48 Hours is where I, I remember him from. Just recently rewatched that as well. So next we have Richard Chavez as Poncho, and he started his career in TV doing shows like Eight is Enough in 1981 and continued his career and did many, many films. He was in Witness with Harrison Ford, Night Realm in 1994, and Baja Run in 1996. He has continued his TV appearances in such shows as Star Trek The Next Generation, Babylon 5, and personally for me, I loved him in 
the 80s, 88, 89, I think it was like a two season War of the Worlds uh, yes. show that was on that I absolutely loved him in. And I have a really cool story that I'll share uh, later in the podcast about an article that I read about him that really made me appreciate him even more. He presently lives in Los Angeles area and continues to write uh, and work and contribute to the creative world. Yeah, he. I actually do remember that War of the Worlds series too. Mm-hmm. I looked forward to it. It was something that was on UPN nine and on the East Coast, so mm-hmm. you know where I was. And I look forward to it. My brother just laughed at me because it was so cheesy, but it was it was cheesy. But I loved it. <laughs> Richard Chavez was great in it. Yeah, he was a really good actor in it too. Well, next up would be uh, R.G. Armstrong, who played General Phillips, and he's a legendary actor or character actor in TV and films, very well known based on his face and his voice. So he started his career in TV and film in 1954 till his death in 2001. And he is best known on TV and shows like The Rifleman. Wow. Mm. Maverick, Perry Mason, The Fugitive, and Bonanza, just to name a few. Films, he was in El Dorado in 1966, Children of the Corn in 1984, as well as Dick Tracy in 1990. That's just to throw out and splatter out a few of the cool stuff that he's done over the years. Very cool. And also we have Shane Black who played Hawkins with those huge oversized glasses that I totally forgot about every time I watch it. Uh, <laughs> but you know, he's mostly known for this part uh, on screen, this character of Hawkins from Predator, but Shane is, uh, has a much larger role in the Hollywood in Hollywood for his writing of movies. Like he wrote lethal weapon. He wrote the monster squad, the last boy scout, the long kiss. Good night. Kiss, kiss, bang, bang. Iron Man 3 and The Predator from 2018, which brought him back to his Predator roots, which he directed as well. He continues to write uh, screenplays, act and direct within Hollywood still. You know, I I always look forward to seeing more of his work. And and so you really should, as Mark has just been saying with all these other actors, check out his IMDb page because that I didn't realize he had written. I knew a few of those movies that he had written, but I didn't know all of them. So, yeah, there's a lot more from that. I just picked all the ones that I liked, <laughs> mm-hmm. but that he he's very prominent in the writing community as well as screenplay and directing. So he doesn't really act too much, but I I look forward to seeing him when he does show up. Next up, and lastly, would be Kevin Peter Hall, who played the Predator, as well as the helicopter pilot (laughs) in the very beginning of the movie. (laughs) So Kevin was mostly known as a suit actor within film and TV, most notably for his work in Predator 1987. But there are so many more films and shows that we could see him in as well. I'm talking in particular suit acting right now. So Maces and Monsters in 1982, he played the Gorville in that particular TV movie with uh, Tom Hanks, if you remember that. Uh, Mm -hmm. The uh, Monster in the Closet 1987 as the monster, Harry and the Hendersons in 1987. So obviously he was Harry, very well known for that movie as well, and Predator 2 as the Predator in 1990. So he reprised his role as the Predator. In TV, seeing him personally, because he was such a tall man, but he did act. So uh, he was in The Misfits of Science from 1985 to 1986 with Courtney Cox, hmm. and a, a show that I loved to watch as a kid when it came on. I was like about 13 and 14 at the time when those, uh, those shows came out. And uh, 227, 1989 to 1990. And of course, Harry and the Hendersons. He reprised his role as Harry in that TV show in 1991. Very cool. Yeah. 
So uh, we we have like a plethora of a cast that has been around for a long time, has done so much, and we recognize their faces. So now on to the madness of Predator. <laughs> <laughs> so we could talk about our general thoughts of the movie. So Steve, what what are your overall thoughts of this movie, even though it's years and years later? Oh, you know, I've loved this movie forever. I, I I've I've owned it in in different. Uh, different forms. I probably had the VHS copy that I recorded off from HBO at some point. I probably had a, a VHS copy. I think I do have a, actually still have a, a VHS copy of it somewhere. Uh, but I have, uh, I currently have the, the Deadpool reissued Blu-ray uh, that has the Deadpool cover uh, with Deadpool doing the part of, of, of the Predator uh, <laughs> on the cover. But uh, that's what I watched uh, when I just watched it here recently. And I, this is a movie that I'll pop it in. I don't know, two or three times a year, I'll pop this movie in and, and just watch it because I just enjoy everything about it. There's a few little things that I have with it because it is an 80s action movie and we we have to acknowledge that there's a few little things with it. But overall, I felt it it held up. I just rewatched it yesterday before uh, we were originally going to record this and uh, it really does, it, it holds up pretty well for being an, an action flick. Like So there's a couple little things with it, I think, that, uh, uh, that make it stand out and made me kind of scratched my head this time watching it but overall it's a it's an iconic movie there are so many things in it and we'll get into this when we get to the, the our points but there are so many things in this movie that were iconic that are now considered iconic that if if someone like nowadays watched this movie they would go oh that's so cliche but you're like no they did they were the first ones to do yes. it Exactly. You know, yeah, so, uh, <laughs> it's, it's like it's it's not cliche for them to do it because they were the first ones so yeah well, for me, I, I love this movie since it came out. It's one of my all-time favorite mo- sci-fi action horror films. It's my go-to movie for fun and action and everything that it brings within a particular film. I could watch just like you. I could watch it multiple times per year. I would probably say two to four times. I, I own, I've owned this on VHS as well. I actually got it from like Sam Goody like yeah. uh, two years later after it came out on VHS, and it was on a bargain bin. Because it was used, and I've I wore that tape out like crazy throughout the mm-hmm. years, and then eventually I got it on DVD, got it on Blu-ray, got it on streaming, I got it on my Apple uh, iTunes, as it were, and then watched it on that. It's the same, and it holds up. And yes, ladies and gentlemen, that are all you adrenalines out there, you could get it on iTunes, or if you have an Apple TV, just buy it, and it's only four ninety nine. So get it now. So it's four ninety nine, five dollars. Come on, man! And it, it was my second R rated movie that I got to see in the theater. So the first one for me in the theater that was rated R was Aliens. Uh, but my brother, who is four years older mm-hmm. than I am, took me to see this movie in the theater with him and his friends the week it came out because he was trying to feel brotherly and want to take me to a R rated film. Needless to say, he didn't realize I already saw Aliens the year before. So. <laughs> But it, it had great memories with me. Uh, I enjoyed the film. I still enjoy the film. And like you stated, it is legendary. And it's one of those films that uh, started a lot of things. Because uh, there are certain scenes within the movie that we'll go into that you just you see now. And it's kind of cliched. But that's where it came from. Mm-hmm. And that's what we get. So it, it's the one that started it all, if if you think about it. Yeah, yeah. All right, so with that, we'll move right along into our favorite scenes and thoughts about the movie, Predator. So, Steve, you want to start us off with the first one? 
absolutely. The first thing I want to say is, and I don't, uh, I don't know what happened the first, say, 20 years of watching this movie that it wasn't until I watched, uh, I think I'd watched the Honest trailer for it like two or three or four years ago or five years, however long ago the Honest trailer for it came out that I never noticed. I mean, I remember the spaceship at the beginning, but I never noticed the little, the little, uh, ejection of the predator being oh, launched the from this. Yeah, the pod being launched from the spaceship. I don't. It was only like I want to say like maybe five or six years ago that oh, I wow. first noticed that. Yeah, so I I had watched this movie for you know over twenty years and just seeing the spaceship and going, oh, okay, it's an alien. You know, I don't know why they're telling us right up front that this is an alien, but okay. Um, but <laughs> it, it was really cool watching it this time and seeing that and realizing that 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 splashdown because I've also gone back now and rewatched. Um, and just recently rewatched Alien versus Predator, and they mm-hmm. have a very similar scene where those pods get ejected from a ship uh, and sent down to to Earth. So it was really cool to see that, and and uh, just to acknowledge that it was something that I don't know why I don't know if it was just a blink and I missed it moment for the first twenty years of watching this movie. But yeah, not. <laughs> uh, I think everybody that. does that too because it wasn't until like my tenth or thirteenth time of watching the movie that I realized that. But I also realized the connection, too, because The Thing, the movie mm-hmm. The Thing, John Carpenter's, they do the same thing mm-hmm. with the, the alien ship crashing to Earth. In this case, it's an ejection pod to mm-hmm. go to Earth at this point. And I thought that was pretty cool. And I think that was kind of like a tribute to all those alien movies. And yeah. in, in this case, once it gets down to Earth, it's rooted in Earth only. Very much like how the thing was in the Arctic, this is taking root in some sort of jungle. Mm -hmm. So I think it's pretty cool that we get this. But on top of that, you know, this was a more menacing hunting kind of alien, which I liked. That's what got me because it had military. Come on. I was all about GI Joes back then when I was a kid too. And talking and speaking about that, the, the intro scene with Dutch and the mercenary group getting the job, coming out of the helicopter, how they're introduced. And how uh, they're giving their uh, their job information, mm-hmm. and how you know if you look at certain characters within it, and how they introduce themselves with uh, you know if you look at you know when Dylan, and then when you talk to uh, what was his name, uh, General Phillips, they they get the job. Mm-hmm. And you see the camaraderie within it and, and know, them knowing each other because they've worked with one another before. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, all those guys getting out of the getting out of the helicopter and you see Bill Duke is in a suit and tie, you know, and then some of them are like like I think Jesse Ventura was like in a cutoff shirt, yeah. you know, and like they're all dressed kind of differently. And then you get to Dutch, you get that silhouette of Arnold Schwarzenegger sitting there with the hat on, the sunglasses, and he's smoking the cigar in that and he's got the sun setting behind him. It's just one of those things like all the like I said, all those guys getting out of the 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 chopper like that, and you see Richard Chavez is like the smallest of all of them. Not that he's <laughs> yeah. a small guy or anything, but it just compared to all these other huge guys that he's standing with, it's it's great. And, and it shows a sort of presence too, because with that you get the introduction of the music, which the music itself is very much a character unto its own throughout the film, mm-hmm. because that. Mm-hmm. all that stuff it's so iconic and we all know that song actually mm-hmm. that was a ringtone of mine at one point and people nice. go what was that from and it's like oh that was predator and it's like oh 
crap, I got to get that. And then I know a lot of people love soundtracks, and that that's part of their soundtrack listening, mm-hmm. you know, other than like aliens and things of that nature. But, you know, it, it, it's like such an introduction within what we're getting into at this point. You know, it's military based, but the the sound or the effects that they put within the music kind of gives us an inkling of what they're getting into because it's mm-hmm. in the jungle with the ch-ch-ch-ch, you know, but that's just mm-hmm. me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next one that you have. Um, I, I, again, it, it's part of that beginning when they're getting the mission and, and you see this, you see Dylan and Dutch kind of talking to each other and Dylan <laughs> says, well, why did you, why did you pass up on it on, uh, um, not Afghanistan, whatever he tells it. I, I can't remember which which country it was now. It's, it's escaping me. I just watched it yesterday. But he says, why did you pass up on that? It's one of those, for me, it's an iconic, it's a it's an amazing line when Arnold yes. Schwarzenegger says, oh, not my style. And he says, oh, you got no style. And, and then Arnold's reply is, we're a rescue team, not assassins. Exactly. But yet, but yet then like an hour later or maybe 40 minutes later into the movie, that's exactly what they <laughs> – they had to like do when they go when they go attack the rebel camp because I'm like they see one of the hostages get killed at the point when they start the attack they don't know that the second hostage has been killed yeah but they they were that was a violent attack on that camp but I'm like yeah for a rescue mission for a rescue team you're really good at assassinating people though you know <laughs> like like Dutch throws his machete through a guy and stick around. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and Poncho, you know, Poncho comes up to to Blaine. He's like, "You're bleeding, man. I ain't got time to bleed." And Poncho, you know, he shoots his thing up into the uh, at the sniper, and he goes, "Well, you got time to duck." And then you all these explosions yeah. up there, it's just, and they're just killing guys left and right. Uh, and then the only person they don't kill is the woman, which is it ends up being a good thing. But you know, yeah. Dutch Dutch doesn't kill her. But it's just it was just one of those things that I I don't know if I've ever really thought about it a lot. I thought about it probably a few times I've watched the movie, but it really does. It does show kind of a, like a double mind kind of thing there where he says, well, we're a rescue team. We're not assassins within, but we can really act like assassins when we need to. Exactly. Literally. It's like, we're here to kill the bad guys or save the other people. Oh, Mm -hmm. wow. They killed that one guy. Yeah. And then there's Dutch lifting that Jeep and making it run down the hill. And they're like, and then, you know, you see Jesse going, what the F? And he just lifts it up and it drops it. Mowing, yeah, and he's just mowing. He's mowing people down with that Gatling gun. Yeah, you know? <laughs> it's like I thought they were there to rescue these guys. You know. So uh, well, I thought it was well, very well choreographed with the action scenes within that particular mm-hmm. uh, that whole scene with them trying to get these people that were uh, getting information, and then you know you see Apollo Creed there going, ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> yeah. He set us and, up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All the guys realize like Poncho's the one who's like, if this was this wasn't a this wasn't a cabinet minister, this was a surveillance chopper, you know, and they find out that the the it was actually CIA guys on the chopper that worked for Dylan yeah. and and they were doing surveillance down there trying to stop this stuff from getting across the border and the Russians helping and yeah, it just it, but no, I don't get me wrong. I I love this. I love the whole scene. It's yeah. an amazing, like you said there's so many and there's so many working pieces to that. So many stunts and mm-hmm. so many things that happen that you know when you when you look at it back in the 80s, I mean a lot of those 
all those explosions and that's yep. not CGI. That's, that's they practical do, effects. Yeah. <laughs> they had to do practical effects for that, that kind of stuff. And, and so it just, it's amazing to see some of the things like that. Yeah. It's so cool too, because you know, it's real. You know, these mm-hmm. guys had to work hard for this. And to talk a little bit more about that with the traps that the group had to try to make to catch the predator at that point, too, mm-hmm. when we get into that scene and they worked as a team. Well, they also worked as a team when they were mowing down everything, when Mac was like <laughs> destroying everything after his friend got mo- like destroyed, his chest burst open from this gun- like laser gunshot. But they mowed down. I-, I think they took down more trees than one of the guys that comes around on the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, I, I will say, this is one of my, my few criticisms of the, of the movie is, is that scene, as much as it's like really cool visual to see all of them shooting, it kind of, that scene is the only part that I think almost every time I've watched it, except for maybe the first time, that it kind of took me out of it. Well, I think, I, let me not say this. Because they didn't time. reload. No, no, because coming from a military background, they those guys lose all their military bearing. And this is supposed to be some special ops, super experienced, you know, team. And they're just firing blindly into the jungle, firing all. And no, they do. And they do reload. You see them reload several times. Dutch, I think, reloads his at least two or three times. He reloads his his machine gun and and you see all of them just firing blindly into the jungle. Hmm. And then when Poncho comes out and says, we hit nothing, I'm like, yeah, because you guys just completely lost it. And there was no control. There was no, like, like that, that scene, that's like, it was one of my few criticisms of the movie is that scene where they're just, they're just firing blindly until they run out of bullets, basically. Yeah. You and know? they wasted all that uh, ammo too. And yeah, what did they yeah. do? They, they hurt the thing for a little bit and Anna winds up wiping the blood on her yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. And, and it ran and this away. Is, this is, this is where I'll tell my story about Richard Chavez. So when Richard Chavez was in War of the Worlds, there's an episode of War of the Worlds that I was watching. I, I think I was watching it after. I had joined the military and had been in in for a little while. And there's a when you're firing the M16 and the M16 malfunctions, there's a there's a whole procedure that you're taught to go through of what you do when that weapon malfunctions. And there's okay. an episode of there's an episode of War of the Worlds where you see Richard Chavez's character shooting his M16 and it misfires. And he 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 just automatically goes through those procedures, which is you 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 it's a it's a you slap the magazine you pull back your the charging handle you look into the observation port you make sure you've got nothing in there you let go of the handle and then and then you do the forward assist and then you start you continue firing and he does all that just automatically and i remember after seeing watching that episode going man he just did that very smoothly and incredibly Mm. and then I, i don't know it was months after i was reading an article about that episode where they said that that was totally unscripted, totally improvised that he just, because he's a former Marine. Yeah. He just reacted when his M16, when the M16, the, the, um, what do you call it? The prop, the prop M16 that he was using, uh, malfunctioned. He just automatically by rote memory went through the procedures of clearing it and taking care of it and reloading and, and continuing firing. And they left it in the shot because it was so fluid 
and so amazing. But it wasn't scripted. It was literally his the M16 malfunction, and he did what he was supposed to do to correct it. Instead of stopping filming and going, hey, my rifle malfunctioned, he, <laughs> he just went through the procedures and did it. And I've always – that was one of the things I really loved. That's why I really uh, love that character and love Richard Chavez for that because it was just one of those things that that's what they taught us to do if you're – did your weapon malfunctions? Here's what you do. Yeah, so, exactly. But, but yeah, that scene, it really, it kind of takes me out of it a little bit because they, they all just, they see Mac just firing the, the Gatling gun blindly into the woods and they all just join him in shooting and grenades and explosions. And I'm just like, of ammo and yeah. like explosives in my opinion, but and you guys had no, you did no clue what you were aiming at. You didn't even know what you were shooting at. And in fact, if you, if you watch the scene, Mac, actually tags it i think with his machine gun before he even picks up blaine's machine gun and the thing is gone like (laughs) it's already gone at that point yeah (laughs) yeah, because we can see it moving you know this is one of the first times we see it actually moving through the jungle and we can see the jungle shifting and and so because we we saw it it was just it was great it was really really cool and those visuals again now that is cgi of the of the the creature were, were really cool as well and in my opinion, I thought they held up. Yeah. It, and it shows it, too, for the effects of its time, too, because in the very beginning, they, like, I think they originally wanted some sort of bug creature, but mm-hmm. they, at a certain point, they wound up changing it. But mm-hmm. that's going to be the unknown and interesting facts. But I haven't even read those. <laughs> right. We, yeah, I just put them in blindly from a, yeah. a reputable place that I know. But from my understanding, they didn't know, and then they had somebody in there in a bug-style creature outfit, and apparently it made its appearance, but they changed the script, they changed everything over time when they were filming, Mm -hmm. and I think it was ingenious that we don't get to see what it really looks like until the very end, the reveal. exactly. Very much the alien reveal, if you think about it, with like Sigourney Weaver Mm -hmm. and Alien. Yeah. Yeah, with me, uh, it would be definitely with the group working together to trap that predator itself using tactical, uh, you know, gorilla snares and traps. And I thought it was pretty cool. All the flexing that was going on (laughs) and getting the net and everything. And they were able to get it at that point as well. Mm -hmm. They were able to ensnare it at some point, but, you know, they get shot after. And then yeah. you, you get that whole thing of like, get to the chopper <laughs> and all that cool stuff. But and uh, the then the action continues at that point and we see a breakdown of the group. But oh, I love that. And really, you can see the the Bill Duke plays this character, Max, so well. That, I mean, oh. from the beginning, you know, like I said, he comes out of the chopper. He's in the suit and tie and you can see him. You know, he's he's doing the razor on his cheek and yeah. then he, at one point he does the razor on his cheek until it bleeds it you know snaps. and you can see it, the, yeah. the, the disposable bick breaks yeah, and then breaks. And he shows a blood stain on him yeah yeah and so his his character that the killing of blaine really starts his descent into madness to where at the final moments before he's killed you know, he's like taking off his gear and singing to himself and have me and a good like, time tonight by yeah. little Richard. And, and you can just see that he is, yeah, yep. he is completely lost it. And Dylan, you know, comes upon him and he's like, you just, you, but it's just really cool. This time I really saw that. I don't think I've ever paid attention to really that, that portrayal that he does of that character's descent into madness. And it, it, it till the 
when he finally gets killed, it's I mean, it's horrible the way he gets killed. I thought Bill Duke was great in that particular character. Showed passion, showed friendship mm-hmm. because he just loved his friends so much, and he wanted to. He even took care of the body. Yeah, he yeah. put him in his poncho, and he goes, "I got it." Are you yeah. sure? And he's like, "Sergeant, just, yeah." It's like, oh man, you could tell these guys have been around for a long time and took care and mm-hmm. knew each other. Yeah, I never appreciated that portrayal until this till this viewing of it that I really appreciated what he did with that character. It's just amazing. And, and talking about characters, one that I always enjoyed and loved was Billy. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the fact that he was like he had his nose to the ground. He knew he felt and smelt something, and all the other group members that were there the part of the team knew it's like billy you know something what is it and i think it was poncho that was saying it and he was like uh we're all gonna He's, die basically no, he <laughs> says i think it's one of the oh it's, it's another one of my favorite scenes or moments really poncho says you know something and he says i know i'm scared poncho and poncho said you ain't scared of no man and that's Billy no man. says that yeah he says there's <laughs> something out there and it ain't no man so yeah i <laughs> Yeah, it's that Indian foresight right there, mm-hmm. and he yeah. knew. And I love his how he stood his ground with the machete, mm-hmm. and then hearing him scream in the background all, while all the others are trying to run for the chopper. Yeah, and it's yeah. just like, oh, and they all look. They're like, oh shit, it got Billy <laughs> of all people. It's like he he stands up to to anything, and if he got yeah. it, Oof. and it's just like uh, Jim Hoppa when they find his. <laughs> dog tags but you know uh, you did find his way back to you know stranger things and you know we'll, we'll find that out later in, in a different universe i guess because that jim hopper that jim hopper didn't go nowhere that jim hopper got skinned alive he was skinned alive yeah you know? that's well, an ultimate um, universe maybe exactly. uh, that was the upside down for him yeah yeah exactly well and and before we get too far we're going to talk about those uh, iconic moments that that uh, dylan you son of a bitch oh, you know yeah. that that has now and then the whole bicep but the whole bicep curling uh, handshake thing that's become uh, become so iconic now. Uh, yeah, it's a meme. That, yeah, and that was the first time they did it was in this movie here. So yep, yeah, it was it's, like, uh, it's like it's uh, like he goes, "What? Give up? What? You pushing too many pencils?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's like all right, all right, all right. <laughs> that was like to me. Yeah, those are great scenes too. We mm-hmm. all love them just the same. The one thing I really enjoyed, too, was Dutch, and after everybody is gone, they've left. Mm-hmm. And it's just him and the Predator at that point, and how he builds his own traps. Yeah. And just to trap the Predator, and he, he works out this whole map and route with all these cool uh, devices that he's able to do with just the knife. Yeah. <laughs> and some flares and things. and some leftover ammo that he's able to make bombs with and things of that nature. I thought it was pretty cool. I saw something in this time and I had to actually pause it and back it up like three times to make sure I saw what I think I saw his, the, his whole DIY his do it yourself uh, bow and arrow thing. He shot an arrow now. Okay. It wasn't a super thick tree. It was like maybe a, a foot, thick a, a tree that was like had a trunk that was about a foot thick but he shot his arrow through the tree because you <laughs> you see it you see it you see the tree there and then I, like i had to pause it and you see the arrow go through the and you see the point of the arrow out the other side of the tree and i was like seriously movie he just shot a, a, a wooden arrow 
through a uh, tree. A, a handmade arrow, too, at that. <laughs> yeah, from a handmade bow with string that he got. I don't know where he got the string from. It was vines. Yeah, it was just, I was just like, seriously, okay, I'll go, I'll take it. I'll take was it. that the but reason was, for the, like, the muscle matchup in the very beginning? <laughs> so it shows he has superhuman strength? <laughs> probably, probably. But I just, I just, like, the first time, the first time I saw it this time, I was like, wait, did he just shoot that arrow through that tree? And then I had to pause it and back it up and pause it and back up again. (laughs) Yep, he shot that arrow through a tree. Okay, well, we'll take it. Uh, Because it's Arnold. It is Arnold. (laughs) Plus, yeah, the the thing that I loved about it, too, is the one thing that they actually used, and they actually used it to their advantage later on in AVP movies and later Predator movies is him covered in mud. And mm-hmm. it covers his heat signature, and he's able to be pretty much camouflaged from the Predator itself until yeah. he falls into a, a river or a waterfall into a, a, a water yeah, landing, and, 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 and he gets washed off. <laughs> Which is another surprising thing that I that I don't think I ever picked up on before until this time, uh, that apparently the alien tech is not waterproof. Yeah. <laughs> Because <laughs> he comes out of the water and it's all short circuiting and stuff, and he's got to turn it off. And at that point, we we get the actual he, he loses his yeah he loses his camouflage background there is camouflage whatever it was, and so now we see the predator in the suit and the whole the whole thing. And that one on one fight is oh. just brutal, it's like amazing. between him and Dutch. But it was amazing. Yeah, the camera work in that that switches back and forth. There's a there's one moment it's earlier in the movie and I, I, I love depth of field and, and uh, work with cameras and used to be something that when I did film, film pictures, I did a lot of depth of field stuff. And that's like when she's giving that story about the demon that makes trophies of none, um, <laughs> she's, you know, it, at the beginning of that scene, she's in the foreground and she's in focus and Dutch is in the background and he's blurred out. Yeah. And there's a point where they, they, they shift the depth of field to where Dutch is in focus and she's blurred, blurred out. out. Yep. And and then they go back and forth with that. And I've always I've always loved that whole playing with depth of field. It's one of those, it's one of the things that I've I've failed to master with digital photography, but I'm I'm getting there. I'm starting to, to start to figure out with digital photography too. But and it's, and it's 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 a good way to give story and show presence to the character too, because mm-hmm. it's showing, you know, maybe okay, well. Maybe Dutch is the trophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> At that point, but it, it serves its point. And yeah. like you said, that that the reveal, Stan Winston's work when it comes to the makeup effects of the Predator and how great it looked. Oh, of yeah. the mechanics of the face, uh, especially when you get that whole typical exposure and he goes you're one ugly son of a bitch yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then the predator repeats it too yeah yeah so uh and then the fact is you get the whole countdown when the predator realizes like it's his end at that point yeah and- he drops that he drops that tree trunk on him and he's just crushed and you know it was interesting he grabs that rock and he comes over the top of the tree and you can see that he's gonna smash his head Yep. With that, with that rock. And he just sees that it's, it's dying. It's, it, and it's all bloodied and green goo coming out. And so he just throws the rock to the side 
and just lets it kind of lets it die. But like you said, then it starts that countdown. Another moment that's kind of okay. We'll we'll suspend our disbelief that he got far enough away from that explosion <laughs> uh, by running. <laughs> you know, yeah. he uh, ran a mile and, and a half. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and then and then I, I put a note in my notes that at the end, the very end of the movie, the chopper gets to him. Yeah. Instead they, of him getting to the chopper, the chopper gets to him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. Oh man. Yeah. The the movie. Uh, if you suspend your disbelief all the time, or suspend your belief, as it were. Mm-hmm. Some people say suspend your disbelief, but you you have to suspend your belief of what's going on within the film. Yeah. But to me, it's it's enjoyable nonetheless. You you still have a great time with this. It's a great action sci-fi horror movie in all in Absolutely. one wrapped in one. Absolutely. Yeah, in my yeah. opinion, it, it's something that I it, like you said, it's something you could watch a couple of times, three times a year, and it never gets old. It holds up to this day because the practical effects, the visuals based upon with the predator, with the uh the biosphere or his how he he reads infrared and how he he reads heat signatures, all these different things with different lenses. And mm-hmm. how he's able to like mimic certain dialogue too throughout the film, which yeah. to me was amazing. And I, I, I really enjoy this film all the time. Oh yeah, don't don't get me wrong. The the little tiny thing, the little criticisms I have don't take away if I had to name eighties action movies, you this know, be, this is yeah. this is gonna be up there. This is gonna be up there with Die Hard, with Roadhouse, with Lethal Weapon. It's yeah. gonna be up there. With with all of those those action those pure action movies, movies that, yeah that, that we do love yeah I agree same here they get your adrenaline going yeah and... exactly uh, <laughs> mic dropped <laughs> 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 all right well with that we move into some quotes obviously we've already dropped a few but you could bring more oh gosh I think I have given all of the ones that that uh, just it's there's so many that are good. Uh, that I've already used, and I'm trying to think if there's any. Yeah, I already said I, I ain't got time to bleed. I've already said that one. Yeah. Um, I, I think I've used up all of my really big ones. Obviously, you've already said the get to the chopper, which people now <laughs> now <laughs> ask him to say apparently and yeah. stuff. But uh, it's it's great. I mean, there is some really good. I I love. There's a moment when when he says to Anna, "It didn't kill you." Because you didn't have a weapon, no sport. You know that's mm. another one of those those moments. And then when he kicks the gun out of her hand, when when he tries this, when he saves her life, basically, mm. is really great. And there's just some really, yeah, just uh, you already, yeah, you said all. You go, go ahead. You've got some. Well, uh, the best was his Jesse Ventura's character. He goes, ah, he's dug in there like an Alabama tick. <laughs> when they were were like they were going against the enemy at the very beginning. Uh, of mm-hmm. the uh their mission yeah uh, obviously uh oh wow it's like uh you could lose it here this makes cambodia look like texas mm-hmm. <laughs> and that that and then he hands mac the uh the whiskey from mm-hmm. his flask yeah uh, and then of course dutch saying if it bleeds we could kill it yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> but uh there there's so many you know you already said it i ain't got time to bleed and he goes, yeah, you have time to duck. <laughs> yeah, I love that. That's, that's probably my favorite poncho. You got time to duck, <laughs> you know. And of course, like the typical Schwarzenegger things, like knock, knock. 
<laughs> and mm-hmm. he comes and he breaks down the door. <laughs> and then, he, of course, with him throwing the, uh, wow, that machete. That, the machete. That, was it a machete? That looked like a big blade, but it, I guess it was a machete. He goes, stick around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the big machete, but it was a, it was a machete. Yeah. A to sword. Him it was a it knife. Was probably, probably more of a sword than a machete, but yeah, it was, it was big. All right. Well, with that, we can move right along. We could go into our interesting facts or unknown facts about the movie Predator from 1987. So, Steve, you want to start us off with the first point? Sure. It looks like Arnold was pumping iron during filming. He was pumping iron a lot. Uh, you know, he's pretty jacked in this movie. And part of the reason was because they had a working, they had a gym, a working gym there on the set. And uh, uh, Bill Duke is quoted as saying, before we shot every day, Arnold and his trainer and all of the big boys, they got up hour and a half before breakfast and trained in the 30th anniversary edition we have the Hollywood Reporter telling them that it was uh, a gigantic gym that Arnold shipped to Mexico in these gigantic trucks that was the oh wow was the ho- was the size of the hotel ballroom that was our gym that was our <laughs> gym Arnold once knocked on my door at five thirty woke me up <laughs> I started lifting with them and they all would start uh, yelling at me to lift more weights and more reps and the, the yeah. So, uh, yeah. So they were working out a lot. They were working out throughout. And I guess there was competition within that time, too, mm-hmm. for all of them. And Arnie was the taskmaster for mm-hmm. them to get their workout regime. Hence why all the big muscles in the movie itself. <laughs> all right. Well, next one up would be the actual Predator suit was really tough to act in. So the late Kevin Peter Hall, who played the Predator in the first two films of the series, had a tough time battling with Schwarzenegger during filming on Predator. On top of the fact that the suit was uncomfortable and heavy, Hall was unable to see out of the costume, meaning he had to learn the movements of not just his character, but anyone else in the scene he was acting with. Wow, that's a task. Yeah. Hall spoke about the experience in the article Predator, The Man in the Suit, with the sci-fi fantasy magazine uh, Cinefantastique which I actually do have. Wow. Uh, when Arnold supposed to, uh, was supposed to slap me around and stay from my face, all of a sudden, whap, there is his hand with claws on it. Hall said, it, it wasn't a movie. It was survival story for all of us. <laughs> uh, the next one is that Shane Black was killed off uh, early for killed off first for a reason. Shane Black had a small role in the film as Hawkins, a commando in major uh, in Schwarzenegger's crew, but he gets killed very early on. It turns out producer John Davis, who is also producing the, the new sequel reboot uh, or yeah, the new predator sequel reboot for black wanted blacks writing skills more than his acting skills. Black had recently written lethal weapon, which turned out to be a huge success. Unfortunately for black, he was more interested in acting in predator. I met Shane on that movie, Davis said to The Hollywood Reporter. Shane was a really great writer, and we wanted to do a rewrite on the Predator script. So we put him in the movie because he's an actor, and we got him down there, and we asked him to do a rewrite. And he said he was an actor in the movie and not a writer. So he was the first person we killed. He got killed seven minutes into the movie. Wow. (laughs) Uh, Black will get the chance to make his own Predator movie now, though rewrites be damned. Yep. Well, he did. And that was called The Predator. The Predator. twenty From 2018. We talked about the beginning, right? Yep. Uh, next up would be the cast dealt with hot temperatures and lots of sweat. So actor Bill Duke played Mac in the film and he revealed what the cast dealt with temperature-wise while filming in the jungle. Namely, it was hot as hell. 
we're talking about hot heat and humid heat. We're not talking about 80 degrees, Duke told the Hollywood Reporter. We're talking about 90-something or more. We're talking about having to wear this gear that is heavy itself and then the guns and stuff. And mine was like a gun of a battle battleship machine gun. <laughs> so you're carrying your body weight, you have clothing on, and then you're crawling through the jungle on your stomach and... There are coral snakes and spiders and scorpions and a lot of different things. Wow. Basically, they went through boot camp. <laughs> I, I was stationed in South Korea twice, and both times we did exercises during the summer. And yes, it it's is brutal. Hot. <laughs> and you've got all that gear on. And especially if you're in uh, your chemical warfare gear, your mop gear, that's ah. even worse. I think uh, I, I lost, I don't know, eight or ten pounds. Uh, after one exercise just from the sweat alone uh, oh yeah you lose all your water weight at that yeah. point yeah the next one is production took a break so arnold could get married the crew was on location and shooting in mexico for a few weeks in april 1986 but everyone took a break toward the end of the month so arnold schwarzenegger could get to his wedding to marry maria shriver according to imdb producer joel silver even chartered a jet to get him to massachusetts for it oh oh that's pretty cool well, next up, this is interesting. Jean-Claude Van Damme was supposed to play the Predator. As described in the oral history of Predator by Hollywood Reporter, there are some differing accounts of why Jean-Claude Van Damme was fired, but either way, he did not make it into the final cut. Whether it was uncomfortable, an uncomfortable suit, his height, or the fact that Van Damme wanted the Predator to kickbox... You gotta stop kickboxing. <laughs> Look, the Predator is not a kickboxer, Joel Silver. The producer on the film said, according to Joel Hynek, visual effects supervisor, is still a bit of a mystery, but it likely was a combination of all these reasons. Van Damme would later work with his action film buddy Schwarzenegger in the Expendable series, playing a badass villain like these 25 physically dominating dudes, but it would have been pretty awesome to see him as the Predator. And Adrenalheads, I have to clue you in. I gave you a teaser about this, and I posted it right on the Facebook page. There's a picture of Jean-Claude Van Damme in a bug suit from Predator. Oh, okay. So check that out on the Facebook page. You're going to have to do a lot of scrolling because this was a couple of weeks ago. Uh, there were bugs everywhere. Uh, filming in the jungles of Mexico helped give the film a realistic feel, but it wasn't all scenic waterfalls and pretty landscapes. Actor Richard, Richard Chavez, who played Poncho in the film, recalled dealing with quite a few crawling critters during the course of filming. A lot of it was raw jungle that we were running through when we were in the week rehearsals, Chavez told The Hollywood Reporter, and we took a breath one day we took a break one day and i checked the area out you know where i was gonna sit my butt down and lay down and the next thing i knew i was covered in ants i was bitten about a hundred times down both my arms and went into a little bit of shock was running through the jungle ripping my clothes off butt naked they had a, a water tank and i went into the water tank and just doused myself chavez had another awesome story coming after schwarzenegger returned from his wedding the very first day arnold got back was a 15, almost 16-hour day, and I was in the shower, just filthy. And the phone rings, and I said, hello? And it's a woman's voice, and she goes, is this Richard? I said, yes, it's Richard. And she goes, what are you doing? And I said, I'm in the shower, picking ticks off my balls, okay? <laughs> and she started laughing, and I said, who the hell is this? And she goes, Richard, it's Maria Schreiber Schwarzenegger's wife, and I'm just calling to invite you up to have dinner. I'm inviting everybody to have dinner so you can meet me. And then she started laughing again. Well, <laughs> 
little things you find out and the things yeah. I throw in there from these places is funny. <laughs> but that's a that's a good story from Chavez. All right, well, next up, Carl Weathers would get in secret early morning workouts. So I, I've heard about this and actually heard it from Carl Weathers himself, too, at a con. <laughs> so after his fantastic performance in Rocky series as Apollo Creed, another one of the 25 most physically dominating villains in film history, Weathers became the first choice of the producers to play Colonel George Dillon in Predator. While working with actors as big and muscular as Schwarzenegger and Jesse Ventura, Weathers wanted to make sure his physique could stack up. As he said in 2001, short documentary in the film, If It Bleeds, We Could Kill It, The Making of Predator. Uh, Weathers said that he acted as if uh, his built physique came naturally to him. In actuality, he would wake up sometimes as early as 3 a.m., so he could work out without anyone seeing him. <laughs> I heard about that from the man himself on a on a panel. <laughs> uh, of course, the next one we've already really talked about it. The cast had two future United States governors in it. The fact uh, isn't lost on any fans of the film, but it's still pretty awesome. The actors who played Dutch and Blaine ended up becoming governors in the United States. Schwarzenegger, of course, went on to become the governor of California, while Ventura, who played Blaine Cooper, became the governor of Minnesota following his acting and wrestling career. Yeah, I, I threw those in not knowing this was in there. So, but that's all right. It's cool to uh, to have that. Uh, next up, Arnold took a beating while making the film. So Schwarzenegger has been known to do a lot of his own stunts for his films, but Predator took things another level. It took more abuse in Predator than I did in Conan the Barbarian, said Schwarzenegger, according to an interview he did with the sci-fi fantasy magazine Cinefantastique. I fell down that waterfall and swam in this ice-cold water for days and for weeks was covered in mud. It was freezing in the Mexican jungle, which I find hard to believe. <laughs> they had these heat lamps on all the time, but they were no good. If you stayed in front of the lamps, the mud dried. Then you had to take it off and put new mud on again. It was a no-win situation. The location was tough, never on flat ground always on a hill we stood all day long on a hill one leg down one leg up it was terrible wow <laughs> well he's got a lot of money now so i i wouldn't complain <laughs> there you go um and the last one is that the idea for the film was inspired by a joke uh, about rocky four as revealed in the 2001 short documentary on uh the film if it bleeds we can kill it the making of predators screenwriter jim and john thomas got john thomas got the idea for the script from a joke about rocky four which came out two years before predator basically the premise of the joke was that after rocky defeated all the big opponents he could take on the only logical move for the series would be for rocky to face off against an alien in the next film the thomases took the idea and ran with it writing a script called hunter which eventually became predator interesting yeah all right that's pretty cool all right well i i think that covers everything for predator <laughs> uh, as we know wow that was fun yeah, I'm glad we got to do this because yeah, this is a movie that I've been wanting to. Actually, it was on my list in the very beginning. So we're approaching episode 50 soon for Adrenaline Cinema Podcast. Yeah, it took you two years to get to here. But I originally the podcast was supposed to be biweekly. And then in the very beginning with the pandemic, I did it weekly. And then between panels and this, I kind of like, all right. Whenever it comes out, it comes out. But I'm glad that you guys like what we're doing. So with that, I since I already mentioned panels to pixels, 
we're going to go into where listeners can hear us. So, Steve? Well, as you just mentioned, obviously, I am the co-host with uh, with Mark on Panels to Pixels, which is on the Next Level Podcast Network. So, uh Go check us out there. We cover all things, you know, comic book related that are turned into movies or TV shows. And uh, we just have a really good time talking about those, those things. You can also hear my voice on various other podcasts that I may co-host on or guest on or send a voicemail to. Exactly. And like I said, you could hear me there as well. I, we are covering a lot now. Uh, we have She-Hulk coming up. Probably by the time this comes out, we will be in Umbrella Academy and then going into She-Hulk. So look for those on Panels to Pixels podcast. And you can find that on any podcast player of choice. Just look up Panels to Pixels and you'll find us. And for you to send any feedback, well, all you have to do is go to our Facebook page, which would be facebook.com slash Adrenaline Cinema Podcast. I usually try to put in a picture of what we're going to be covering next. I put this out a long time ago. We have not received any feedback regarding that, but you could always come back and send it in if you like. Uh, you could also send any feedback written, or you could record your voice and just send it as an attachment to Adrenaline Cinema Podcast at gmail.com, just spelt out as is. And we will read if it's a written text form email, or if you just recorded your voice, we will play it. And then that way we could comment on it as well. Or we'll just play it too, because even if it's an older episode that you're talking about, we will still read it or play it. So uh, with that, uh, that's how you could send your feedback. Uh, I highly recommend that you check out all the other podcasts on the Pirate Core Entertainment Network. And that would be Run For Your Lives with Daphne and Paik. And they cover everything. Monster movies, suspense movies. Well, basically anything that makes you run for your lives. Recently, I noticed they're going to be doing what we do in the shadows. Mm-hmm. I saw that post today. Yeah, I saw that today too. Now, it's a TV series, but Taika Watiti actually did a movie before that and i haven't even watched that movie so i gotta go watch that movie now oh wow yeah it's so, great so you can check them out uh that's uh, run for your lives with Paik and daphne you could find them on any podcast player of choice or you could go to the pirate core website and you can find their links there same thing with fantasy picks movie edition you could hear Rob and I cover, uh, I think we, he just published it. I'm not sure exactly what's going to come out at the time of this uh, this publishing of this particular podcast, but we covered uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness together. Now, mind you, it's our <laughs> my second attempt at covering that particular thing. Steve and I already did it on Pounds to Pixels, but uh, with what Rob likes to do on his particular podcast is, uh, what if you could change a movie? Like, if it wasn't... Uh, a great movie, but it had so much potential. Let's say Star Wars, the Phantom Menace. What would you change in the story? Who you change as far as actors, maybe this music story wise, what would you change or like scenes. So they, they do that with uh, fantasy picks movie edition and you could check that out right as well. Uh, there's also Damien and he does watched it in the eighties and uh, he did a m movie recently with Jerry. I'm forgetting which movie. Do you remember, Steve? I don't. Sorry. All right. Uh, yeah, you could check him out. He does everything that's uh, 80s related. And uh, I think, well, the last thing I did with him was uh, Top Gun Maverick. So we covered that. And before that, he did Top Gun, uh, the original 80s movie. But we did the Top Gun Maverick. 
but uh, continue to check out whatever Damien does because I kind of mentioned a cool few movies that I would like to do, like Explorers. Uh, I think I mentioned The Gate, but Daphne and Peg already covered that. <laughs> but uh, there's so many movies out there. I think I mentioned Daryl, too, uh, with him, mm-hmm. too. That that came out in the early, uh, mid-'80s as well. Something uh, Michael McKeon was in that and a few other people. But he covers everything 80s-based, and it's really cool to go back there and watch that. He does not just movies, but he also does TV shows. So check out Watched It in the 80s with Damien. And like I said, you could check all those podcasts out on the PyroCore Entertainment Network. So it's PyroCoreEntertainment.com. So check it out there. So with that, uh, I just want to thank Steve for bringing this up to cover because this was an awesome movie to cover. And I've been looking forward to doing this since I started. This was like in my top 10 movies to do. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you for letting me come on and join you for it. No, no problem, man. So uh, that was our show, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'm Mark. I'm Steve. And this was Adrenaline Cinema Podcast. And we'll check you guys out later. Good night. Good night.